0: I love it when worship touches your soul. Amen. I'm also trying to figure out why they left a whistle on my podium. <laughs> if you fall asleep, <laughs> I'm prepared. I'm going to toss this to you. Will you catch this? <laughs> the look in her. <gasps> Two little girls were having a debate. In our church, when we pray, we have trespasses. The other girl, not to be outdone, well, in our church, when we pray, we've got debts. Well, they went back and forth. And the fact is, most churches have trespasses and debts. That's just the way it is. I liked one little girl when she was praying, and her portion of the Lord's Prayer, uh, she prayed trespasses, only she hadn't quite heard it that way. So when she would bow her head to pray, her prayer was something like this Forgive us our trash baskets <laughs> as we forgive those who dump their trash baskets on us. <laughs> Not bad theology, huh? Trespasses, debts, trespasses. Why the confusion? Well, the confusion comes because there's two parts. One part is from Matthew chapter 6. The other is from Luke chapter 11. And in the King James, it was translated in in Luke chapter 11, trespasses. That probably wasn't the best translation. In fact, many of our newer translations translate it a little bit a little bit better. In fact, there's five words that are used to express what they were trying to to express there. So when, when we read in Matthew chapter six, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter six. But when we read in Matthew chapter six, forgive us our debts. It's one of several words that are used to describe something called sin in the Bible. Sin. Now, there's five key words. In fact, uh, this passage actually uses two of them. And one of them, uh, it. And in, in when we think of these words, I want you to think of the old um, story of of six blind men who were taken to see an elephant. They, they walked up and they were hooked up to the elephant and one of them touched his leg and he says, oh, it's like a pillar. Another one felt the tail and said, no, 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 an elephant is like a rope. And another one felt the trunk and says, no, 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 he's like a tree branch. Another one felt the ear and said, no, 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 he's like a hand fan. One felt the side of the elephant and said, no, 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 he's a wall. And someone else felt the tusk and said, no, he's like a pipe. Each one were correct, but each one was only telling part of the story. The Bible gives us um, five different words to, to be used for sin. The first word that we find for sin to see part of the story, and this is the first word that we find in Luke eleven four, 4, is the word harmatia. Harmatia. We have a gentleman in our church by the name of Ben Rodelius. He is a high school student. And if you follow the paper, you see him a lot in the paper. The reason why is Ben shoots trap. And Ben is very very good and he's always placing so imagine with me ben uh calls me up one day and says hey preach let's go shoot trap together and i say sure that'd be fun and so we go out to the trap range and we get there and he says hey hey just to make it a little more fun let's have let's have a deal okay well what's the deal well here's what the deal is um Whoever shoots least whoever loses has to buy dinner at the winner's choice. Well, the last uh, contest I read, he shot ninety five out of a hundred, so I'm going, okay, okay, Ben, that's a little rigged you know i haven't I haven't picked up my gun in two years to shoot trap. And you shoot every day. Come on, come on. Can I have a couple handicaps? Can I have a couple things to make it easy? And Ben goes, sure, sure, preach, whatever you want. I said, well, first of all, if we tie, if we tie, I win. Sure, (laughs) no problem. Secondly, I want to play harmatia rules. harma rules? Harmatia rules, it's a biblical word, trust me, it, 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 it's okay, can, but will you agree to Harmatia rules? Sure, sure, I'll agree. So we get up, Ben gets up, and, and by the way, I ran this by Ben just to make sure that it was okay to use him, and, and uh, he said, well, can you use the score I had at my last meet? And I said, what was that? He goes, 99 out of 100. So I said, okay. So Ben shoots, 99 out of 100. Wow. I get up, 50 out of 100, and I'm feeling pretty good. And Ben goes, well, preach, I I need to tell you we were going to dinner. I said, whoa, 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 stop. Stop, 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 stop. You agreed to two things. One, if we tied, I win. Well, preach, we didn't tie. Hang on. You agreed to harmatia rules. Harmatia means missing the mark. It means that you haven't hit perfection. So Ben, what is perfection? 100. How many do you hit? 99. You weren't perfect, we tie. I want to go to Manny's (laughs) Steakhouse. (laughs) That's what harmatia means. Missing the mark. In 11.4 of Luke, that's what it says. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us that we've missed your mark, God. But that's not what he says here. We'll get to this word. Now, there's a couple other words that the Bible uses to talk about sin. Another one is, uh, in the Greek, it's called peritoma. And it's kind of like slipping or falling or being careless it's come not because you really went out of your way to do it, it's just, it happened. Two of my friends were out hiking, and they were wanting to go to this hidden lake, this lake that very few people went to. But because so few of people went to it, they would catch a ton of fish, and they knew that's what they were going to do. Well, they were also amateur bird watchers, and so as they're walking, they see a bird, and they begin debating over what kind of bird it is, and they miss the turnoff. They ended up hiking for another six hours and said, I think we, we missed the turnoff. And so they took their compass readings. That, it was back in the days we used compasses. Kids, it's, it's not GPS, trust me. It kind of spins. It's, it's really cool. Um, so they took their compass readings, they pulled out the map, and they go, oh, man, we have to walk that way. And so this, what was supposed to be a four-hour hike, ended up being a 12-hour hike. Why? Because they were careless and they missed the path. That's what this word means. Because of my carelessness, I miss God's path. Another word that we see in the Greek is a, a, a word that um, sometimes is uh, mistranslated, but it's uh, called parabasis it means to literally step across the line it means here's the line of right and wrong and you literally choose to step across it friend of mine had uh, a four-year-old how many of you have ever had a four-year-old condolences Um, uh, this little four-year-old just the cutest most beautiful precious little girl and he lived on a busy street so he put across a hose and he took all his children and he says okay sweeties this is a busy street if you get in the street you're not going to make it. it it'll hurt you so what I want you to do is I want you to stay behind the line and the older ones were like oh, okay daddy okay daddy but this sweet precious angel walked over to the line she walked over to the hose and she kept doing this. I'm over the line, Daddy. I'm over the line, Daddy. She did it by choice. And then if she thought her daddy wasn't looking, she'd go. If her daddy was looking, she'd jump back. That's what this word means. It's where we go up to the line, we know what's right, we know what's wrong, and we choose to cross the line. The next word is called lawlessness it's called anonymia this is outright no one will tell me what to do no one it's a rebellion to the extreme it's rebellion on steroids it is taking your hands and going before god god you will not tell me what to do but the last word and the word we're going to deal with today is the word that sums it all up. This is the word we find here in Matthew chapter six. Ophilia. It means debt. It's a moral and spiritual obligation. Something is owed. This is the same word we find in the second part of Luke 11: as it says, "Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us." Because it's interchangeable with the other words of sin, it has the idea of sin. And I want you to get this. This is what I think God is trying to get across to us about sin. Sin always creates a debt. Sin always creates a debt. Let's say um, I have my, my little Ford Ranger parked outside. And uh, Bill decides to back up his big truck, and a debt is created. Now, d- Bill could have done it because he was being careless, he didn't do it on purpose, but a debt's created. Bill could have done it because, you know what, he wanted to get as close to the line as he could and he just crossed the line. But a debt is created. Bill could have said, you know what, that silly preacher, I am going to get him good. And he could have revved his engine, he could have burnt out, you could have seen the smoke for miles, and he smashed through my little Ford Ranger, my defenseless innocent Ford Ranger and a debt is created it doesn't matter why you did it a debt is created and in this debt it has to be paid now Bill could come to me and say pastor I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'll, I'll pay the debt But let's say there's only a hubcap left. (laughs) Greg, I I would love to pay the debt, but it's more than I can. And I look at him, and I have this magnanimous spirit, and I say, don't worry, Bill. I got it covered. Then I have to pay the debt. But someone has to pay. When it comes to sin, someone has to pay. It may be us. It may be God. And when we deal with sin and God, the wages of sin is what? Death. It's a debt we can't pay. And so... When we come to God, we need to understand that our sin creates debt. We owe Him our obedience. We are His creation. He owns us. And we have failed and we owe God a debt for our sin of rebellion. But I want to show you a few things here in in this passage before I turn it over to my friend and my brother. I want you to notice number one. Forgive us our debts is a prayer that Jesus himself could not pray. Did you ever think about this? We call it the Lord's Prayer. But this is a prayer that Jesus could not pray because Jesus never did anything wrong. He had no debts. He had no sin. Now, friends, I want you to listen to me closely. This is very, very important. Theology matters. If we begin with the wrong assumption, we will have a wrong ending. Yesterday I had the privilege of going and seeing the movie Sully. And it's the story of Sully who landed the plane on the Hudson River. And during the investigation it it came out that the computer simulations and all the models and everything they were doing were showing that he had made a mistake. But when they got to the hearing, he added some information. He told them to think some things through. And they realized that they were beginning with a faulty premise. So they were coming to a faulty or wrong conclusion. That's true with our theology. If we begin with a faulty premise, we will always have a faulty conclusion. Here's the faulty conclusion. Here's the faulty premise first. There are those who believe that Jesus sinned in this life. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on His death, rightfully so. We put a lot of emphasis on His burial and resurrection, rightly so. We put a lot of emphasis on the fact He's coming again. But the fact of the matter is, the life He lived before He died mattered. Because He lived a sinless, perfect life, making Him fit to be our Savior. If you believe that Jesus Christ sinned in this world, then guess what? He's disqualified to be our savior. Now, well then, he must not have really experienced temptation. Oh ho ho. Oh yes, he did. In fact, friends, I want you to get this. He experienced at a level you and I don't. Here's why. You and I, we're we're battling temptation. We've got our gloves up. We've got our our stance just right. Do I have it right, coach? Okay. All right. So we have our stances up. Our gloves are up. We're ready to battle. And we get a few hard hits. And we go, (laughs) I'm giving up. I'm tapping out. Thanks. Jesus never tapped out. Jesus, our our levels of temptation are like this. He faces the full blown, full attack, and He doesn't give in, so it never stopped. And yet He won. So that's the first thing I want you to see. Second thing I want you to see is this this is the disciples' prayer. This is not a prayer based on salvation. This is not the, the death that this sin creates is not the sin impacting their salvation. This is a daily prayer for relationship. Everything up to this point has been talking about a God who is our Father, a God who wants to break bread with us, who wants us and us and not our, our religion. He desires to deal with our sin and our desire to forgive others flows from our, out of our hearts because it's been transformed by His re- regeneration. When we hear this prayer, we understand that he has left a mark on us, and we desire simply to be cleansed. We want a relationship to be restored. Remember the upper room. Jesus lays aside his robe. He puts up a basin. He takes a towel, and he starts washing the disciples' feet. He gets to Peter. Peter goes, whoa, 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 time out. You're not touching my feet. And he says, Peter, if I don't touch your feet, you have no part of me. Well then fine, Lord, wash all of me. And then he answers, Peter, if you've already been bathed, you're clean, I just have to wash the feet. You see, the feet symbolize the dailiness of life it symbolized the sin that we pick up as we journey through this life and that we have a daily cleansing of those sins we pick up on along the way not for our salvation but for a relationship you see the moment you accept Christ you have been cleansed you've been bathed you've been you've been forgiven your sin and we call that justification. We call that we call that our position in Christ. You're clean. But There's another theological word called sanctification. It's the process of learning how to live who we are. And it doesn't finish until we're in heaven. And so daily we come to Him with our sin. Daily we say, Father, I've sinned. Father, I've created a debt. Forgive me. Notice third that forgiveness requires a heart of repentance and a mouth of confession. Our daily relationship with God is often marred by our unconfessed and unrepentant sin. And notice here I place confession and repentance together. There's some who believe they can play the sorry, my bad game. Have you ever played that? When we adopted our son, he would do something wrong. My wife would confront him. She'd go, Rob. And he'd go, My bad. And he'd walk on. That's not repentance, folks. My bad is I just got caught. My bad is, hey, yeah, I know. No big deal when we realize that our sin creates a, a debt to God, we cry out and we say, what I've done is wrong. What I've done has created debt. What I've done has broken your heart, Father, and I don't want to do it anymore and I confess it. I know I won't live perfectly, but Father, I am going to walk in your Spirit so I don't do it again. For you see, the mark of a believer is to love what his heavenly Father loves and to pursue what her heavenly Father wants pursued. Fourthly, we have a Father who is eager to accept our heartfelt confession and repentant hearts. He wants to hear our plea for forgiveness. He guarantees He will hear it, and He guarantees this in prayer. Go back to an early portion of the the prayer. Remember, He says, hallowed be thy name. He guarantees he will hear because of his name. His name literally means the God who keeps his promises. And in the Old Testament, God repeats again and again and again, repent, confess, I will forgive. I long to forgive. I desire to forgive. I promise to forgive. Nehemiah wrote it this way, you are a God of forgiveness, forgiveness, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. Paul writes, as vast and pervasive as sin of man is, God's forgiveness is more vast and greater. Where sin abounds, God's grace abounds more. Forgive us our debt of daily sin. When we pray this, we're asking for a relationship to be restored. It's not a prayer of salvation, but a prayer of relationship. It is a prayer that Jesus could not pray as our perfect representative. It is a prayer that our Heavenly Father is eager to hear. But I have one more thought. There was a little boy who misbehaved. He broke something of his mother's. His sister saw him. His sister said, I won't tell if you do what I tell you to do. Okay. Okay. And so for the rest of the day, Jimmy, would you go do the dishes? Okay, Mom. Susie, would you do the dishes? No, Mom. I think Jimmy wants to do it. Susie, would you take out the trash? No, Mom. I think Jimmy wants to do it. And the whole day, she just kept telling him what to do and bossing him around and finally he could take it no more and he went to her and he said I've had enough I'm gonna go tell mom and then she did the guilt oh Oh, you're in trouble because you've lied to mom oh do you think she'll forgive you that was her favorite face oh and finally he said you know what I don't care and he runs into Mom, and he throws his arms around her, and he's crying, Mom, Mom, please forgive me. I broke your vase. I, I'm so sorry. And she goes, why didn't you come to me earlier? What? Yeah, I saw you break it. And if you would have come to me, you would have been forgiven. But for the whole day, your sister's been bossing you around. And you let her do it. Oh, friends, when we are saved, the power of sin, the power of Satan is broken. He no longer has the right to boss us around. But when we sin, he runs up and says, Oh, you are in so much trouble. You are so busted. Oh, you can't go to God with this. This is going to break his heart. Oh, you are so busted. I'll tell you what. If you'll do just what I say, everything will be okay. And our father is going, no, don't listen. Run to me. Run to me with your repentant heart, run to me with your confession, and I will forgive, and I will set you free, and I will make you clean again. Forgive us our debts. But there's more. I've asked Steve King to that part of what the more is you may notice that occasionally i ask men in our church to co-preach with me part of that is we're creating a preaching team so that when i'm gone there are guys who can step up into the pulpit and be a blessing to you so steve would you come and be a blessing to us right now and explain the next part of the verse
1: Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Here in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is telling us about the kingdom. He's telling us how God has broke through, and his kingdom has come. And it's unlike any kingdom that anyone's ever heard of before. upside down it's it's weird love your enemies if someone slaps you on the cheek turn the other one to him a lingering lustful gaze is adultery anger insults name calling is Murder. The great, powerful people of this kingdom are poor, in spirit, meek, merciful, peacemakers, pure in heart, joyful in persecutions. It's crazy. That, that doesn't work. That's not how the world is. Indeed. Indeed it is not. This is a new kingdom. This is a kingdom populated by a different people. This is a kingdom populated and, and, and full of forgiven and forgiving when we think of forgiveness, it's a, it's a deep well. There's much to be said. As we look at this today, forgive us our debts, even as we have forgiven our debtors, I, a couple of observations I want to make. As we look at this connection, this conditional clause, as we seek this right relationship with God, as, as Pastor told us, there's a, a connection then with us. So observation number one is that our relationship with God is never isolated or compartmentalized, segmented away from our relationship with each other. What happens here? matters with what happens here. And we can't separate the two. They are intertwined. They are connected. We can't have relationship with God here, and it's good, and that's fine, and, and over here is relationship with people, and, you yeah, know, whatever. I'll leave them over there. I want, I'm good with God. That's what's important. No, not in God's kingdom. No way. Look at, if you have a Bible, look at, uh, 1 John, chapter 4. and John tells us how this works a little bit. And starting in verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Beloved, if God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother brother. So if we say we love God, then we have to love each other. We, we can't have one without the other. It makes no sense. And, you know, even our worship is not exempted from this. You know, if, if you look In the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount here, in chapter 5, right after Jesus tells us that anger is like murder, he gives us an example. He says, so, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift goes today maybe it'd be something like so you come to buffalo evangelical, evangelical free church on a sunday morning scott is leading you in a song and it's touching your heart and you lift your hands and you're singing praises to him and you remember that your brother three rows back to your left that you had an argument That he's not happy with you, that you've wronged him. Drop your hands. Stop singing. Go to them. Lead them to the commons and be reconciled. And then come together and worship. Our relationships with each other are an essential integral part of our relationship with God. We cannot separate the two. And that brings us right into my second observation as we look at even as we have forgiven others their debts. Forgiving each other is a really, really really big deal. I don't think I can overstate this. I don't think that I can say too much how vital and important it is for God's kingdom people to be a forgiving people. Now, if you're not sure that this is true, if you're not sure, you're thinking, hey, Steve, yeah, yeah, it's probably pretty important, but Three release come on. Three, maybe two. look what happens what Jesus tells us right after he gives us this prayer in verse 14 of chapter six four okay after this prayer, four because of I'm going to illustrate this I'm going to send I'm going to drive this home. four if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let that sit on you. I think as people, our tendency, when we hear hard things, we want to deflect, we want to turn aside, we want to have it skip off of us. We want to look for the exceptions. We want to see how this maybe does not apply. Some would look at the whole the Sermon on the Mount and say that this is... Jesus teaching that how impossible it is and that, you know, we need to come to him just in despair because we need him so badly. But this is about kingdom life now. It is about how his people, his disciples are going to live and we have to live as forgiving people. We must. Our relationships with each other matters with this relationship with God. And we say we love God. We want a right relationship with him. We come to him and we we see our sin. We know. And we come to him and we say, Father, forgive us, please. We need you. I need you. But we aren't forgiving other people around us. God is saying, uh-uh. Nope. That's a hard teaching. look at, Jesus talks about this more in in, uh, Matthew 18. Peter asks a question. He said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Good question. He says, as many as seven times? Thinking himself pretty good. And Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. And he gives a parable. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him and owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. A debt was owed. and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw that he had t- what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you had pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And then in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart this is us we have been forgiven so much and so our, our motivation we can come before god and and know that yes lord you forgive me so much how can i not forgive we must forgive each other but another thing needs to be addressed here we know that relationships are complicated they're messy marriages You've been married for more than a day. You understand that they're complicated and can be messy. You know how important forgiveness is, don't you? And there may be some of you here today who you hear this. And you say, Steve, you don't know. you don't know what that person did to me. You don't know the hurt, the wounds that I bear, the abuse that I have endured. And you hear these words of God, of Jesus saying, if you want to be right with God, you have to be right with each other. And it's like a slap to your face, and you say, how? I can't. I think about forgiving and I and I know in my head I should. I I understand that, but I try to do it and I can't. I don't know how. What hope is there for me? There is hope. There is hope in forgiveness. As with any battle that we have with our flesh, with, with our human desires, there's grace. And in fact, as with any struggle that we have, as we come to God, forgive us our sins, this process of being sanctified day by day by day, as we come to God and say, Lord, I did it again. We know that there is hope because the only sin that we will ever be able to overcome is a forgiven sin. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, there is hope, and there's hope in forgiveness. And the hope is that it's by God's Spirit that He will work in us. And if it has to be every day, and you come to Him again and say, Lord, help me forgive. And the next day, you come again and say, Lord, help me forgive. And the next day, you say, Lord, help me forgive. Be encouraged. The fact that this unforgiveness bothers you, the fact that you see it as a problem, that you want to be right with God. That, that is your desire, your heart. And you say, please, that is God's witness in you that his spirit is there and he is with you and he will carry you through. Be encouraged and know that forgiveness is possible with God and with each other. Right relationships matter. other and in matter to God. God's kingdom people are to be forgiving because they are forgiven. And I was thinking this morning, this one last thing is, as we think about this. What comes out of this is the world sees us because this is not normal. This this forgiving each other is not a normal thing. And we are witnesses to the forgiveness that God gives us, and people see that, and how do they do that? Because of God. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a light on a under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, so that they may see forgiving people and give glory to our Father who is in heaven.
0: Sin makes a debt. Whether it's a debt between you and me or a debt between... Me and my Father, sin makes a debt. But, the mark, the mark of those who are, si- who are His. Father, forgive me. And you are eager and you want to forgive me. And it doesn't matter what I've done, I can run to you. And because I'm forgiven, I can forgive. My heart can be transformed. Father, we come to you now as your people. We're an imperfect people in an imperfect world, with an imperfect church. Father, I know that we hurt each other. I know I hurt people. Because I'm an imperfect man and an imperfect pastor. So, we seek Your forgiveness. And Father, give us the power, give us the courage, give us the sensitivity to forgive as we've been forgiven. And we ask this in Jesus' name.